0: Hey, Chloe. Hi, Gemma. All right. So today uh, we're going to have a chat about articulating design decisions and how to effectively communicate the processes that you go through when creating a design.
1: Yes, I'm looking forward to this one.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be a really good one that we both have similar experiences designing, but we've probably had to articulate them in very different ways and to very different audiences. Um, so I thought a good way to kick this off is we might just um, I guess maybe talk about our own personal experiences in where we might have to either justify or articulate or convince someone on a design decision and some of the yeah some of the experiences and challenges that you might have in the design and branding space around that. Do you want to kick off Chloe? Sure. When I first started as
1: a graphic designer, it became really apparent that needing to articulate your design decisions was absolutely crucial. And I think it's just something you get better at over time. I was never good at it to start with. At times I found it really hard to articulate my decisions and it may have been because I just didn't actually know what I was doing as <laughs> yeah, being okay, a junior. <laughs> and just <I> <laughs> You know, I think it is a balance that... Once you mature in your field, or you have a bit more experience and expertise behind you, you do get a lot better at making decisions and articulating the why behind
0: what you've done. Yeah, I would echo that and say, more so than any other role I've witnessed, you have to sell the why in design more than anything else. Like if I work in sales and I pick up a phone, pick up the phone and call somebody, I don't have to say why I'm making a phone call, but I have to tell someone why I'm doing a design Um, in product. Our engineers don't really have to justify or explain the way they've coded something, but I don't know if perhaps because everyone can see design and everyone experiences it, that you're totally vulnerable, that everybody... Um, Everybody has access to it. So when you make a decision, it's really clear. Every small decision that you make is absolutely transparent. Like if you're a, to my example before, if you're a developer and you make a decision in the code somewhere, no one ever knows. It's like a secret (laughs) decision, whereas every single decision you make as a designer is like front and centre and the whole world can see.
1: Design is like art and art is subjective. So, yeah, if you don't like the colour red, you might not like that design and it's just because you don't like the colour red. And I think the more you can take yourself out of the equation, unless you are the customer, you are the
0: brand. Yeah, and I think on that point, before you can articulate it to someone else, you need to really understand why you've made those decisions in and of yourself. Um, If you've done a design and you've used red, You need to know why you used red. You haven't just picked your favourite colour because that's how you can have those conversations and not just say, I used red because it's a punchy colour. We could say, I used red to express urgency and this and that. And in you explaining those decisions, you're kind of persuading or convincing people that, oh, actually, you know, they put thought into this. This was intentional. It's not just... A pretty design. Um, there was a reason behind what you're doing. So I think being able to understand your own why helps you to be able to articulate that and tell other people. So if, if you can't explain your design, then maybe you need to question: like, have have I made the right decisions along the way? Like, you should be able to come back and maybe not perfectly, but be able to explain a, a concept and go, I used purple because it, you know, has these particular associations with a brand and we use these shapes for this reason and I did this research and being able to come forward with all those things together helps to tackle the, the subjectiveness a little bit more just to prove that there is some research and there is some knowledge behind it.
1: Yeah, there's been moments over my career as a designer where sometimes people care, sometimes people have an opinion, sometimes people don't and I would say I've learned over time that even if they don't ask, it's better to provide that context. It's better to give the background because you're taking them along for the journey and then you've got that buy-in and they understand the process. And sometimes they might not need to know they need to know until you tell them. And yeah, I found that really important because in the past, I wouldn't necessarily tell those details or I just am like, oh, it's not relevant if they're not asking. Like, why do they need to know these details? But over-explaining and providing that context actually gets you buy-in in the long run. You might not necessarily feel it immediately, but they won't come to you tomorrow and be like, but why is it red? Why is it that shape? Because you've provided that
0: context. Yeah, I think design's a really interesting discipline because there's a huge amount of responsibility to teach other people and if I go back to my like coder example a developer wouldn't teach me how they built a website like they wouldn't need to explain how they coded it but if someone designed it we would have to educate them on the decisions and teach them and teach people about design yeah and I think that that's a pretty uh, pretty significant thing to call out that we kind of have a job as designers that you need to teach and educate people and if you don't then you risk a design as a resource probably being used incorrectly, that people think that you're just there to produce an asset and maybe not think strategically. And by you articulating the decisions and the process you went through, you do position yourself as a strategic designer and go, oh, actually branding has more to do with the way we market, the way we sell and it's intentional and you're not just boxed into Mm. a pretty asset
1: Yeah, I think it's a massive one because when you assume everyone kind of has an eye for design and knows what looks good and what doesn't look good, yeah, I agree to a certain degree. Although providing that context, it educates them as to why you're making that decision with a stronger brand or stronger design lens
0: and you've got the expertise. My takeaway though is uh, something you just mentioned that you don't always assume you're talking to people who have an eye for a design. And I think the way you talk about your design and the way you articulate your design decisions is tailored to the audience. If I designed a website right now and sat down with you, Chloe, the way I explain it to you and articulate it would be very different than if I sat in front of a sales manager. Or if I sat in front of the CEO who owns the business. And I think that's really crucial because the way you communicate, it needs to tell a story or mean something to that person. So if I'm talking to you, Chloe, I might dive a little deeper into color theory or dive a little bit deeper into perhaps the emotion behind it that we want to evoke X emotion and we want to evoke X reaction and maybe that's something that I dive into more in, a, in explaining my design. Whereas if I was explaining it to a CEO, I could perhaps repeat back the priorities that the CEO has and say, I know that you want your company to do X or I know that this particular thing is really valuable to you. I know that you really care about high quality so I've designed with quality in mind on the, on the website. So depending on who you're articulating this to, you've made the same design decisions, but you're just choosing how you articulate it in a way that the CEO probably doesn't care about my colour theory, but they care that I've aligned it to their values.
1: And just adding to that, I think it's actually a good idea to sprinkle some of those in
0: Actually, that's a good point.
1: Because those are sometimes the things that they take away from it. They're the things they remember. And yes, it's very important to tick those boxes and ensure you're delivering the impact that the company or the brand or the person, the customer wants you to deliver. But I think adding that extra layer actually just shows your expertise it provides confidence that you know what you're doing. You're the brand specialist. You're the designer. You're the graphic designer. And I think it really gives you credit and it actually backs you up more. That's an extra thing that they may not have known. That's why you made that decision
0: as well. Yeah, I think I had a I had a manager working as a UX designer and he gave me advice to try to reference the laws of UX whenever I could. And it was funny advice that kind of sat weirdly with me, to be honest, because I kept thinking, well, let's be real. The the people I'm talking to don't know UX and they don't care about the UX laws. But there's this set of, I think there's about a dozen, that are principles of UX. And he said, no, 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 just drop them in casually in conversation to justify your decisions and you can explain what they are. But depending on the audience, if it's to a reporting line manager, you could drop those in to give you more credibility. If you're speaking to a customer, you probably don't need to because a customer or someone, they don't they don't want to learn UX. But that credibility is really important in an internal space that you need your leaders and your managers to actually know that you are upskilled and perhaps dropping those terms can make you um, – seem more credible. And that's something that I didn't really like to go, I don't want to just drop a buzzword in for the sake of it, but it actually was really powerful. And to be able to say in UX, there's a law called Hicks law. And it means that the time it takes to to make a decision increases with the number of decisions that a user has to make. So if there are six buttons on the screen. It's going to take them six times as long to click the button than if there's one button, and it's super obvious. Whereas if you just said we've simplified the design because we're keeping in mind Hick's law, and we need to make our users have really fast, impactful decisions, so we're intentionally going to reduce the number of options on this screen. Everyone goes, "Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna contradict a law like that's Hick's law." Um, And so, I used to actually have a printout on my desk of like the list of the laws and a couple of notes. Um, There's a really good resource actually um, on those UX specific laws that I just used to drop into conversation. There's really obvious stuff like, of course, more options means it's harder to make a decision, but it has a law and it's kind of going, um, I think there's a, a law of proximity that it's like when things are grouped together, people associate that they must be related um, if you have two menu options together, people go, well, they're to do a similar function, which seems logical. But when I drop in, oh, it's the law of proximity, there's a bit more credibility there for a senior manager or someone internally that you could articulate that to.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great piece of advice.
0: There's a skill that I think designers do really well compared to other disciplines. And I don't know if we just do it naturally, but. I think that designers are great storytellers. I don't know if you'd agree with that.: Yes. And when I say storytelling, I'm any journey. I think it's because we're used to telling a story or bringing someone on a journey with an experience in our design or in our art or what we're creating that this is just a, a way to verbally explain it. Sometimes a story doesn't have to be really exciting, like a natural
1: storybook. (laughs) I think sometimes the art of storytelling can just be you've brought everyone along for the journey and they really understand why you've made decisions at what point and how you got from A to B. Yeah, something
0: I do exactly in that format when I'm presenting, um, if you can't tell already, my experience is more UX design. So, it's very functional where it's very like button screen and often how I will share and articulate those decisions to a team and go, this is the concept that I have. The journey I take them through is very, is a scaffold. So I remove all color and I display black and white, like what grayscale, uh, grayscale block frames where I'm like, here's a box where I'm going to put the button Here's an area and talk about these concepts high level, and get everyone to be on the same page, then they agree with a concept. And I might have three or four images, and adding fidelity with every image, so that I get everyone to agree. For example, you know, this is the website, we're going to have a header banner here, and we're going to have a menu vertically. And everyone can kind of see that in a rough, low fidelity kind of version. And then I make it have a bit more fidelity and go, okay, so now we agree on that. And, of course, I've done this all prior, just taking them on that journey and go, well, this is using actual buttons and colours and I might not use real photo images. I'll just use a placeholder grey box. And as I go, then I actually start to add content and I don't show them a final mock-up of here's actually what the website would look like until I've maybe gotten – four slides in or showing four designs prior. And the reason I like to do that is because then people's first bit of feedback isn't, oh, I don't like that shade of blue or I don't like that icon because they've already agreed on the concepts prior. And if they have feedback that is significant, they've probably already given it to you and the aesthetic feedback is then last. And I've found that to be really effective in articulating, particularly to technical people. (laughs) I find that a lot of technical people, when you're going, here's my design for a website and they have to go build it, they go right into the weeds and like, oh, you know, this section here. And I think that the way that we do our menu bars now doesn't fit in with this and that. And I'm trying to sell a concept first. So it's selling someone on an idea and then breaking it down into more detail and then you sell them on the colour and whatnot. Um, and people realise that what you've done as a designer is more conceptual as opposed to fine art. Um, so that's definitely something that I've learnt more the UX space. But I think it's applicable to any kind of design really. If you go like these are the, the shapes that I'm looking at. This is the general Narrative, we want to, and you gradually treat them like building blocks and put them together until you get a final concept or a piece at the end.
1: Yeah, in the design and graphic design space, I can totally relate, and that experience is pretty much exactly the same from my perspective. I don't know if it was something I was taught at uni or if it's just something I've learned along my journey you never just show the final product or the final logo or the final concept at the start within reason depending on the conversation if you're trying to convince someone about a design and you have the time and it's early days you want to break that down if it's like a deadline's in an hour, that's a bit different, or the deadline's tomorrow or it's a major pitch to the client and they've already been on the journey, you could start with the logo. But if you're trying to communicate the story and you're trying to articulate and back up your design decisions and that's crucial to the conversation, showing that process is really important. We picked this font or this typeface because serifs or sans serifs are X, Y, Z. We picked these colours because colour theory suggests that blue orange, red, mean, this. We went with this look and feel because you've done like a competitor swat, or you've checked out. I'm not going to go through all the different ones, but I think you get what I'm saying. You justify your decisions along the way and then you back it up with your concept or it backs up your concept. So, and that is why we've picked blue. That is why we have picked blue thats why we're using these shapes that's why we're using this type of photography taking them on that journey and articulating why you've done each step and showing them even sometimes you can show them we tried this because if you can almost anticipate what they might ask try and answer them before they ask you try not to leave too much to the imagination and don't let them answer questions in their own mind when you could have addressed them and anticipated that that's maybe what they were thinking. Really put yourself in their shoes and think if I didn't have my design hat on, really think about how they're viewing this conversation and viewing what's on the screen or in front of them. Really think about the questions that they might be thinking because you don't want them to walk away and make an assumption that could be completely opposite to what you intended. And I mean, you can't control the uncontrollables
0: that's some really good advice. I think going in with it's a bit like a um, going in with a bit of a toolkit of actually these are the objections that I think might happen or the questions that might come up, and if you can organically bring them up in the way you're articulating, it just saves so much time and energy from everybody in the room that you've already addressed those points. And then if that does come back as a question, you know. Well, in my case, you're not going to get defensive because you've already covered it. Another thing to call out is even though I don't like to say it, often these things do come with billable milestones. And I think that you can't uh, talk about presenting a design without having that in mind. If someone's just, you know, paid you as a client. And I've had this experience doing a lot of free uh, freelance design work where if they've Purchase, you know, a package or a deliverable. If I just sent it as an email attachment and then send an invoice, it, 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 the service isn't there. Like when they're paying for my service, they're actually paying for my expertise in training them, and getting feedback, and coaching them, and that's the entire design service. It's not just an attachment as a deliverable. So they actually need my services as a designer and my time, not just the output. So that's something that I also try to keep in mind that when I I do it I do it already when I'm working in a in a company as a designer but particularly when it was presenting to a client as a freelance designer and there was, you know, a bill- billable time in associated sitting down and actually explaining that I think is a part of a part of the service and I wouldn't expect to get something without an explanation or without a a storytelling association so that I actually understand what I just bought. It's kind of like going in and buying a car off the shelf and not actually knowing what it is. Like as annoying as used car salesmen can be, having someone to actually go through and talk the features and that helps you get familiar with what you're just about to invest in and it helps you have trust in what you've just purchased and you have faith that this thing is going to work. So I actually feel like you have a duty as a designer. If you've just sold your skills, you also need to coach your client or coach these people as to how to get the most of that asset. And I think articulating design decisions is a whole part of that um, and a part of your service and role as a designer. It's like you're going to spend maybe 20% actually designing in design software and you're going to spend 80% either researching or articulating or doing non-design activities just to get design to be supported and actually utilised in some way.
1: Yeah, and I think you can speed that process up as well, the background work over time. So you might not need to do all that research. Someone hires you or contracts you because you already have that pre-foundation and, yes, what you choose to share with them to sell the project and convince them that this is why they hired you and you've made these decisions. You just pick and choose out of your toolbox what you choose to bring up then. But you might not need to invest that much time to that because you may have already done that research and it lives rent-free in your mind.
0: <laughs> lives rent-free in your mind. I think that's a good way to summarize this too, is that these are skills. Like when you say lives rent-free in your mind, you at this stage, Chloe, you probably do all of this inherently like you, you might not even realize you're doing it if I said hey like present the last thing that you just designed to me I get it I get a feel that you're probably gonna do it in a way that's storytelling anyway and maybe at the start of your career it's really intentional and then before it's just like BAU yeah, you, you don't even know it it's just natural
1: yeah exactly and that just comes with time and practice <laughs> something else I just wanted to bring up was the importance of the conversation that might happen after your conversation.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: So it kind of comes back to like, what do you think the key takeaways are going to be from that meeting, presentation, storytelling? If they were to walk away and ex- explain to someone else what your design or your concept or your project was about, what is that story that you want them to tell other people because when you're trying to get buy-in, you want them to echo those key messages and selling those points. You don't just want them to take away that, yeah, it looked really great. like It looked really professional. You want them to have more substance behind what they're saying when they're convincing other people when you're not in the room.
0: Yeah, that's really powerful because often you're presenting a design idea to someone and unless you're presenting it to the CEO who's about to sign a cheque, at any organisation, whether it's independent, whether you're in a large company, usually that person you've just explained a design to has to do something with it. So um, I've had it from the experience where I've uh, had to explain a design concept and then immediately it's had to be passed on to a development team or someone to build and that person wasn't me. So I've explained a concept, gotten buy-in from the client, to go, this is what we want to build and the people I was selling it to were more business and sales oriented and then they were going to, you know, palm it off to someone to actually build and whatever message that I told them, they were going to contract out to somebody. So to actually say, oh, you know, we, it's really important that we have articulated you know, this hero image at the top and that's the really that's the huge standout. Sometimes decisions get made in the production phase. It's happened to me before where they've gone, oh, we've had to cut scope. Or as we were implementing or building your design, we decided that we're gonna do the first part here and do the second part later. And they've actually cut scope and edited my design into pieces and parts. Whereas I feel like if I articulated okay, well, this is the important part, they would be able to better prioritise or better use my design when I'm not in the room. And so um, that's a really specific example and I'm actually, I'm picturing the design in my head because I'm (laughs) scarred. But the idea being that you've got to give a message that knowing how everyone could leave that room and how they're going to have a conversation about your design.
1: Yeah, and to give a specific example related to graphic design, in my experience, I've had to pitch the design or the concept, the idea to my boss, my team, and I know the next step is then that's going to be presented to the board or it's going to be presented to the leadership team. I'm not going to be in that room. So whatever I say is going to get echoed. I need to be really intentional and really conscious of what I'm saying so that the right message gets passed on when I'm not there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that makes makes total sense. Okay, so Chloe, do we have any final parting words of wisdom to wrap it up?
1: So I'll wrap it up with a takeaway from what we've been speaking about. People will make assumptions when you give them enough space to make assumptions. So how can you set yourself up to minimise that?
0: Yeah, and I think my key takeaway has been the the storytelling aspect, that it is a journey and you can't assume that everyone's going to have your opinion if you don't give them the same opportunity to foster and grow that opinion um, along the way. So that's really crucial, probably just general career advice, but particularly with design.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about today, you could relate that to a lot of different industries, a lot of different fields. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Okay, all right. Thanks, Thanks. Chloe. Thanks, Gemma.